All right, we're in. <laughs> Sorry, how do you yawn? How do you big yawn, yawn Gwen. Yeah, big yawn. Start, big week. Uh, yeah, big week. So, yeah, we'll start off with a yawn this week. We'll, uh, Starting with a yawn. Sleepy December. <laughs> sleepy December. <laughs> we got uh, a few questions, but one thing I did want to talk about very quickly while I was looking around uh, the interwebs for uh, things to talk about, apparently Fortnite is uh, gaining on Player Unknown's Battlegrounds in terms gaining, of the. As I was going to say, in what way? In player numbers and revenue? In terms of people watching it on Twitch. Watching it on Twitch. That's. Mm. <laughs> it's like, oh, the one that doesn't. Ma- I mean, it, that matters. It's marketing, right? Yeah, okay. well, it's it's interesting purely because Fortnite released its uh, uh, Battleground. What do they call it? Uh, yeah, I guess it's Battleground. Uh, mm-hmm. What's the name of that film that they named these things after? Uh, Battle Royale, that's it. Battle Royale mode. They even called it Fortnite Battle Royale, Chris. You should know this. They made that Battle Royale mode and there was a big hoo-ha where... Uh, Player Unknown were a, a bit annoyed because they thought they were copying uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, to which yeah, a lot of that. people were sort of like, nah, no. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you really came up with that concept. You definitely made the most successful game, but I don't think you made that up. But uh, it's just interesting, I think, because a lot of people at the time kind of thought, eh, this is, you know, maybe I don't think anything's going to take over Player Unknown, but Fortnite has really been sticking it out, and uh, they seem to be doing quite well with this. Yeah, they the battle royale map or mode put them on the map, from what I can tell. I'm not super following this stuff. Is does it look like this could become an esport? Is it already an esport? Well, Battlegrounds already is. I don't. I haven't seen anything uh, from Fortnite. Like I haven't seen a big push from companies like Twitch or anyone to push that forward i mean microsoft have got kind of a lot of the exclusive rights to player unknowns battlegrounds uh but fortnite could get picked up by someone like that would make <clears> sense <throat> as it's kind of the one people are watching more and more i mean there's still a lot more people watching battlegrounds but if you look at it it's interesting yeah, it's it is interesting i don't know what the line is when it's officially considered an esport is that when a certain i mean if it if it's just a certain number of people watching, then they're probably already there. But if it's like, do you need to have a competition where people can make money to be an esport? Is that like uh, the line? I think generally once there are tournaments going. For, this is just for me personally. I don't think there's an official. I don't know if there's an official definition. Because uh-huh. you, like you say, you could claim anything's an esport if you're playing it. But like for me, once there's competitions going that are independent of your company doing it. Mm-hmm. then i would generally say and and you know these tournaments keep going and stuff like that it's like yeah i'd say this is a esport when the big teams in the esport realm have a team dedicated to a certain game and there's a bunch of them i'm like yeah this is this is pretty much an esport at this stage and battlegrounds has definitely kind of got there now yeah which is interesting because that game plays out in such a different way to a lot of the other ones but uh, yeah interesting it's interesting interesting. in my world anyway where uh, a lot of people are discussing these things yeah i've i haven't been in that esport world like uh yeah that was back that was new back when i was in san francisco back then it was all mmos and it was all like just a different vibe we were going for a different thing back then yeah league of legends really uh kind of opened up a you know now i think about it 
in the beginning, like there was always StarCraft doing exceptionally well overseas. And I think that was technically the first esport, but it wasn't considered, we didn't have the term esport back then, right? No, it didn't feel like it. Like I, I was always aware that StarCraft was such a huge thing in uh, Korea, was what you always heard. Yeah. But yeah, esports didn't really feel like they became a thing that we were all talking about until probably like as recent as probably three or four years ago, maybe, in yeah. terms of the sort of we're Did all talking about it kind of they, thing and it's on ESPN and whatever. Also, I feel like esports is something where, I mean, I feel the appeal of being around and being with a crowd live. There's always something mm. about being in a live crowd that's important. So I don't think uh, participating virtually will ever be a thing unless VR really takes off. But I do feel like esports... The whole point of esports is it probably appeals to people that are pretty connected. And so streaming of esports has got to be huge, right? Yeah. Yeah. The the Generally, the biggest numbers, when you are hitting the 100,000s of people watching a thing, it will be the big finals for League of Legends or mm. Dota. Those, those tend to be... CSGO, you'll sometimes see reach that height as well if it's really big finals. But like the LCS finals for uh league of legends that's like i said 100 200 300,000 people concurrently watching this thing on twitch cool. so yeah yeah it's when you see that when you click on it and see that kind of number it's like whoa okay yeah. a lot of people are interested in this and more than is just the standard reach on twitch like whether all these people are just dissipated and they all use twitch or this is people that come specifically just to watch like these finals and stuff like that and you know i don't think this online interaction is really competing that much with um with people wanting to go out too because i also get the sense that in general there's way more paxes than there used to be there's way more conventions than there used to be mm. people are really really into the idea of going to conventions for whatever their their hobby is more so than they used to be i, I think either that I or agree. just the interest in gaming has exploded i don't know but I feel like there's way more conventions, so we're simultaneously getting people watching more of this stuff online, and um, that's also dri driving people out into the world and going to conventions, so I don't think you'll ever lose that live audience either. I don't know. I think it's yeah. cool. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely an interesting turn of events for the industry, and it's it's driving a lot of where the industry is going, particularly on... I mean, it's obviously going on the game development side, but also on my side of things, like well, the sort of jobs I'm doing and the sort of things I'm doing are, are being dictated more and more by this kind of audience. Mm -hmm. So we got some questions on Twitter, Gwen. Uh, one of them from Ricardo the Animator, who has definitely come to the right podcast, uh, asks... I met uh, Ricardo. No, I think oh, really? I, yeah, yeah. It packs. Sweet. Yeah. So Hi, Ricardo. Um, <laughs> he wonders... Does working with an off-the-shelf game engine uh, limit the company's ability to develop new technology? If so, how much? And he also says, kudos for the excellent show, guys. So, uh, thanks, Ricardo. Sweet. An engine question. Okay. <laughs> Very okay. much the Gwen Frey yeah. wheelhouse of exciting things to talk about for Gwen. Nerd shit, man. Let's yeah. get there. Yeah. No, this okay. is good, because I always, like, for some reason, every time we get a question about or we talk about engines, like, I get, like, pinged and harassed. <laughs> like, the good kind of harass. The kind of yeah. Like, no, actually? And then I learn a lot. And then I, then we, then I go... <laughs> then I go... Do, like, let me walk you through this. And then I go drink okay, at go a bar on. later. And then people uh, who use the Unreal Engine inform me about their various gripes and, and such. 
And then we uh, then we have us a conversation over beer. So this is always fun. So, okay, wait, wait, wait. So I, the, that makes it sound like you're getting in a fight. Like, like then we have us a conversation. <laughs> oh, we have us a, we have us a, a discussion about... Yeah, some... like, this sounds like you're like, let's take this outside. <laughs> I have... <laughs> like, <when laughs> fighting in the streets. I have tried to get uh, a couple people to come on the podcast just to... Um, because it usually goes like you don't you've used the Unreal Engine too long you don't know what you don't know and I'm like okay let's talk about it live what on don't air I know? and then yeah. they're like I don't want to lose my job <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough the advantages of being indie Gwen you, uh, yeah that's true you can't lose your job to yourself <laughs> no well and also I I fucking love the Unreal Engine so <laughs> yeah, it's that like, helps <laughs> no one's gonna like I've got no there's only love here so uh so yeah anyway uh the question was uh tech wait what was it repeat again um does working with an off-the-shelf game engine limit the company's ability to develop new tech if so how much and i'm assuming this means instead of using uh the unreal engine making your own engine and he's asking if making your own custom engine i guess means you're developing new technology i guess like new ways of doing things Mm. I guess is the point to that. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, Maybe? I don't know. (laughs) Well, it's not like you sit down. It's not like you form a company and you're like, you know what? We're going to make new technology. And then (laughs) usually you're like. Or at least you didn't. (laughs) Well, usually you're like, I want to make X. Like, I want to make this specific game or I want to make this specific tech thing. Um, Mm. And so you're never, uh, uh, how do I put it? You're never just like, I'm. You're, you're never going out and being like, guys, I'm founding a company to make technology. Like you usually have something a little more refined than that, right? If you're um, looking to make an indie game, yeah. Or, or if you're looking to make anything, or a game, yeah. Like maybe, yeah sorry. Maybe you're looking to make um, uh, uh, what's what's a company that exists? Maybe you're looking to make um. <clears throat> Can you genuinely you, not you think of to... a company that exists? <laughs> no, that I'm was your remit. Several. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Shut up. That's why you said that. What? What's a company that exists? And then just silence. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> no, like uh, maybe you're looking to make um, like Mixico, Mixmo, I guess is a good one. Like you want to make um, procedural uh, uh, a thing that allows designers to drop in procedural animation and tweak it for for characters like that that's okay. the point the point is like you have an idea right and so what you usually do is you sit down and you're like i want to make this idea and hmm. then it's once you figure out the what which is honestly the hardest part then you just figure out the why and the why or sorry the how and the how is like usually if you're going to make a game, the fastest way to do that is to bootstrap yourself by using an, an off-the-shelf engine. Um, and, and there is such a thing, definitely, especially as a small business owner, of having a plan of, after, I want to make this game, but after that, I want to be a company that makes maybe a specific kind of game. Mm. So companies, um, I, I like to talk about Turbine a lot because I think what they did was interesting, though they started, they started before, like, unreal engine and shit was sweet they started way back in the day but they they're a company that founded around making uh, an engine in tech and they basically um they're like we are going to corner the mmo market we're going to make this central turbine technology that makes mmos um and we're going to 
continuously make different kinds of MMOs that leverage that technology. And we're going to, with each game, we're going to build on this technology and make it stronger. Um, and we're going to keep all of our games live. And they, they kind of had a, a strategy that, that worked around making this core technology, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so the, the question was, does starting with someone else's tech limit your ability to build tech internally? I think the uh, thing that, yeah. The thing that limits your ability to build tech internally is um, either lack of vision, like lack of an idea for some cool new tech, in which case yeah. what's the point, or just fucking resources usually. Like mm. there's just not enough. There's never enough programmers. It's the first question you get <laughs> yeah. when you start a company is like, who are your programmers? Um, and then your programmers leave you to go into finance, guys. <laughs> These motherfuckers. Yeah. Or somewhere where they can make way more money because they, you know. Can. yeah because so, that kind of makes sense for life i guess yeah yeah, yeah. money we need money in life, if you've Chris. got actual legit skills like that yeah probably yeah. but uh yeah ricardo i think um the things that will limit your ability to make tech are resources and knowing some cool new tech thing more than how you how you get there uh, starting with a, a third-party engine is simply a way to get from zero to where you're going mm. um, and there's some other things there too actually i could wax philosophical on this for a bit please Fuck do it. gwen yeah uh i think like uh, uh there's a lot of things that are really appealing as a company about using something like the unreal engine or unity specifically mm -hmm. i think there's a need if you're looking to make a game you want your entire company, your designers, your artists, everybody to be working from the beginning and iterating mm. and have as long as possible to iterate on something that is as close to the game as possible. So you even mean just in terms of just saving time by not making an engine. Yes. Mean? So gotcha. If you uh, here's like if you if everybody's waiting for a, the programming team to build an engine before they can get to doing real work, that's a huge problem, right? Gotcha. So if you're spending you're like a year making this thing, that's a yeah. year that nobody else is doing anything. Exactly. And it's a year that you could be iterating on, like if your product is a game and mm. you're not spending the vast majority of your dev cycle iterating on the game, then... Uh, your product is actually not the game. Your product is actually whatever it is you spent most of your time iterating on, or and you're just not monetizing it properly, or yeah. you're, uh, or or you're just I don't you're I don't, like doing it wrong. Like you want to <laughs> iterate on the thing that you're that you're putting out in public and that you're selling. And if you're um, if everybody's sitting around waiting for uh, the engineering team to make an engine, that's not ideal. Which is the way it used to be, but mm. <laughs> uh, not. Uh... Not always, but like I've experienced that definitely. Um, yeah. The you're everyone's you're kind of building a team and with a bunch of work that's largely throwaway that is pretty much entirely thrown away when the real tech comes online or something. So there's oh, okay. there's definitely an appeal to starting um, to building on an existing engine, and then like I said, at, at that point you've got choices depending if you know from the get go that you want to have you want to be turbine, you want to build. Uh, technology that moves you in um, if you have a vision for your company that is building something very specific uh, then 
then you'll choose what you start with to probably to be something less specific. Maybe you'll use some other more bare bones engine or you'll you'll start with something else maybe. Mm. Uh but like I don't know what those things are. I fucking love Unreal. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out. So you're saying basically it's it's uh realistically you wouldn't be limited by using an off shelf game engine because you have chosen to use said off shelf game engine based on what your objectives are mm. with what you're creating. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's going to limit you is, uh, like I said, resources and vision. It, it would limit you is maybe from the very beginning, your idea is to make this game and then you ship a game and you're like, oh, now what? Uh, and you don't want to be the person that's making uh, the, the same game over and over. Maybe you want to. Oh, fuck. What am I trying to say here? Uh, you. Well, I can imagine if you've made an engine and the whole point of the engine is, say, open world game with shooting and then you go oh i want to make a game like civ 5 you're gonna have to either make another engine or somehow yeah rapidly change what you've got to accommodate it yeah that's definitely one way to put that's actually an argument for using a shared engine if you just want to make wildly different games each time you might as well use a shared engine shared engine because you're gonna throw away most of your attack Mm. uh you're uh if you're looking to build tech, it's usually f- to make many product. To it's either to sell the tech or it's to make many products with that tech, right? Mm. Um, like Turbine made many games with their core tech. Um, tech companies obviously sell their tech. Who who else does this shit? Let me think. Uh, I mean, there's a the Frostbite engine exists. Oh, that's competing. That's a better example. Um, people maybe. Uh, Naughty Dog made their own engine. Um, yeah they their engine's sweet <laughs> yeah they, i can imagine uh they they went in a very weird direction so they do they do things pretty very differently um but i think they they built the engine that optimized the crap out of the ps3 back yeah then. that was it's always the the thing with naughty dog because they're pretty much a sony developer it's uh their games always look amazing on sony's hardware yeah, nobody nobody could quite nobody could squeeze the P, like the performance out of the PS3 quite like Naughty Dog no, did. No, it seemed like them and Kojima always seemed to be like the masters of getting Sony's hardware to look amazing. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other uh, companies that are built on having pretty solid tech. I mean, these days I think if you're starting now and your goal is sweet tech, you you're probably pushing into VR, AR stuff, or maybe f- like facial recognition kind of stuff or something in that direction maybe mm. um in which case uh, yeah basically like starting from a shared engine doesn't limit your ability to um make tech not knowing what tech you want to make and not having the resources is what limits your ability to make sweet tech gotcha that makes a lot of sense I hope that answered your question fully, Ricardo, the animator. <laughs> if not, report back and we'll keep going. <laughs> Gwen will gladly keep going. And honestly, there's a ton I don't know about game development, as has been evidence for ages in this podcast. <laughs> so the more I can learn, the better. We did get another question uh, that could be a quick one. Uh, do you guys like game remakes? If so, what game do you think deserves a remake? And that's from Antonio Espinosa. 
Shit, I should look at these questions sometime before we record the podcast. <laughs> I feel like I would have thoughts on that. Because there's definitely, like, the difference between, uh, uh, what do you call it, a remaster, like a restoration. A remaster and you a know, remake, yeah. Yeah, like a, a game where you, you take an old game that uh, doesn't run on, on current hardware and you just make it run on current hardware. You're just getting it. Uh, getting getting back to a place where you can play it. Like, that's one kind of a yeah. thing. Um, and then there's uh, remaking a game where you uprise the art. And there's a whole gradient. And then there's, like, the spiritual successor. Um, like, and at that point, is that even a, is that a sequel? Is it, mm. you know what I mean? Like, where's the I line mean. where it's a, where the line blurs between sequel and remake at that point? So it would really depend. It I would. mean, I love... I feel like a lot of sequels are just remakes. Like I, I loved Disgaea when it came out. Um, yeah. Oh god, those back. games are just the same game over and over again, aren't they? Oh my god, I, I yeah, that's the thing. Like I, I loved the first one so mm. much that I've still to this day I own every Disgaea that can't, comes out. Yeah, my girlfriend's uh, the same. <laughs> that's why I, I just, know so much about it. <laughs> there's something about that game that was like they did the Item World in Disgaea was. Mm so far ahead of its time it was so fun it was it's this randomized yeah the grid based tactics play it forever game. thing yeah oh my god was that game amazing and i it's got a special place in my heart and like i said i buy each one and mm. you do have to kind of like cringe your way through the art and the shitty <laughs> story but like the actual mechanics of that game and what that game is is just like special I'd it's say there's a campy special. fun to that game, though. Like, yeah. as cringy as it would be if you showed it to someone and was just like, I feel seriously about this. There is some fun to be had with the dialogue and artwork in that game. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's got Like, character. it's knowing, right? Like, it, 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 I, at no point do I feel Lahal as a character who's taking himself seriously, you know what I mean? No, yeah. And the, yeah. the <laughs> jokes, or they change the main character each time. And the, the little they do. jokes. Yeah, sorry, that's the one I know. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> The writing in the items is funny. It's cute. Yeah. It doesn't take itself seriously, even it's though it's like, like it could amazing. be a really hard game if you want it to be. That's yeah. great. I like I, I like everything about it. But every sequel they make is actually, I think, kind of a remake. <laughs> Literally to the point where the like the item names and descriptions are the same. Like at some point, <laughs> this is not you're just remaking the game. Literally remaking it. And yeah. you change a couple things here and there. And it's kind of like I Pokemon it, in a way so as well, where it's like until they do the big upgrades, like where it's like it's a new engine and things are different, it's kind of just like, did you like it? Do you want more of it? This is that. <laughs> like, oh, are you talking about like red, yellow, blue? Yeah, well, not red, yellow, blue, but they're moving into like further ones where it's like super red or like whatever they've got at the moment, uh, like yeah. ultimate uh, ruby, mega sapphire, ultimate X, Y, Z, like whatever it is. That kind of situation where it's like, it's basically the same game. We've added a few little bits where if you love Pokemon, you're like, I just need more Pokemon. Mm -hmm. That is I, this. I mean, there's so many reasons to do this. For one thing, you you take your time building up knowledge on how to make a specific kind of game and building up mm. tech to make that game. And then you have the, the capacity... I mean, you've got the talent now to make that game, but better. And so you and your fans will push you very hard to not make a totally different game they kind of want the same game again for yeah. the most part and so it's really tempting to go down that path and just keep doing that and it's lucrative so yeah i mean that's where it happens absolutely just, yeah i mean on a Print side this. note we are finally living in a world where the pokemon console dream is happening for people so that's 
that's a whole thing but uh anyway uh yeah there's like i'm trying to think of remakes that i oh that we want to see uh, i'm trying to think of any that i really because a lot of it like i wouldn't want a remake of shenmue which is a big one for a lot of people i wouldn't want that because everything about it is what i love about it like if i sat someone down who'd never played shenmue before and was like check it out it's one of the best games ever they'd be like no it's not this game is awful and i go you're right this game now in 2017 <laughs> is not good We've like moved it's, on. it's difficult to play yeah. the voice acting's awful the animations are weird like <laughs> the whole thing but i i have a strong love for it so when i play it it's all wrapped up in when I played it and everything. But if you mm. remade it, I'd just be like, meh, this is just a game that's like not as good as once it was. So it, the, the graphics and everything are what make it, which is the same for me with Metal Gear Solid, which did get a remake. Yeah. Like, that's another one. It got that Twin Snakes, which I didn't like. But And I imagine I'd have the same problem if they did it again. So I don't know what game I would enjoy. I guess for me, it would probably have to be one that's more mechanics-based than anything else. I just want more mechanics from. Hmm. Maybe. Well, that's, I, I, have to, I have to think on that topic. Mm. That's interesting. I know uh, for a long time, I was really desperate to play Phantom Brave again. Like for years, I really wanted to play Phantom Brave yeah. again. And I own it. But for some reason, it something about every TV in my house, when I hook my old PS1 up to it and I like mm. played Phantom... Was it PS1? I don't know. I, I've tried to uh play it and it just looks like such garbage not yeah. because the game looks like garbage but because of something about the input output on my tv like can't handle it uh yeah it's unplayable you... yeah but they re-released it they remade it i wanted a remake really badly and nipponichi remade it and re-released it on steam which has been weird nipponichi and a bunch of these japanese companies have been releasing their games on steam now um, yeah i saw something about nintendo releasing games on the nvidia shield in china weirdly enough anyway that's a, that's a whole conversation too. it China's is because like the um yeah we get we in gamecube tiles anyway so, sorry go ahead yeah the the chinese market the little i understand about it is kind of it's entirely they don't have consoles because consoles were illegal for hmm. a very long time so the the consoles didn't take off there uh, what they did have was uh, phones. So they have like mobile gaming kind of took off in a way and they've got, uh, but but it's not like here where you have, you have like, if you have an Android store, you get stuff from the Google uh, store. If yeah. you have, you know, if you've got an iPhone, you get stuff from the Apple store. There they've got like seven or nine stores mm. um, that are all competing, like competing storefronts. And when the console ban lifted, all of the storefronts kind of funded their own micro consoles, and I th- huh. uh, and I think Nvidia Shield is a bid to compete with those. Maybe I'm I'm yeah, I'm it, wildly I'm... out of my depth here, but I think like the uh, because because so much of their gaming stuff is on um, like it is built for like the the google store or the iphones like the mobile platform stuff and i think the nvidia Mm. shield stuff uses that right yeah it can play a lot of mobile games that is a big thing apparently it's gone on sale in china today for uh 226 dollars and nintendo are releasing like first party like super mario brothers wii 
is going on there and it's apparently a remaster of that a 1080p remaster of that game and it's only coming out on the shield in china yeah i'm like vaguely aware of some of this stuff we were looking into micro consoles at one point long mm. ago uh for the flame in the flood and I, at the time, and, and this market changes so quickly with the shit I know from like two years ago is probably totally different now. Yes, But maybe. at the time, investors were losing their minds because all of a sudden consoles were going to be legal in China. But the Chinese marketplace did not immediately latch on to the Xbox or the, the PS4. Um, they seem to be latching on to these micro consoles that are put out by these well-known stores, mm. or these well-known um, storefronts. Um, Makes I sense. don't know. It's China. Eventually, Tencent will just make a thing, and then everybody will have to use that. <laughs> <laughs> They're uh, that. That's uh, from that I could be the way of the future. Yeah, Tencent is the Chinese government, from what I can tell. <laughs> the little, the little I understand. The little information you have, yeah. yeah you should <laughs> get. Like... You know, there's a lot of interesting shit there that I have no idea about. We should get somebody who knows about the China. If you're listening. Hmm. And you know shit about the Chinese marketplace and you want to be on a podcast. Uh, hey, let us know. Yeah, let's talk about it because it is definitely like a an alternate universe over there. Hmm. Yeah, I'd like to know more about that as well, just from a consumer standpoint. Like, yeah. I know nothing about that market at all. I want to know about it because I want to, like, eat in there. <laughs> <laughs> they buy I games. I am happy to eat Chinese food. I uh, like Chinese food, and yeah, they, they're buying games over there, and that seems like, I don't know, like it'd be cool to uh, to launch <laughs> games that are global. That'd be sweet. Makes a lot of sense. But yeah, yeah. if you want to get in contact with us, you can uh, over uh, on Twitter, which is uh, Dialogue Box Cast is probably the best place to reach us, or just our individual Twitters, which is mine is Chris Slight, and uh, Gwen's is Dire Goldfish. Uh, one thing we're probably going to be talking about very soon is game of the year type things because we're rapidly approaching the end of this year, Gwen. And uh, oh, I think yes. the game of the year uh, episode of a dialogue box when we give out our award is uh, going to be a big one. <laughs> I want to take this seriously. I want it to be like it's legit. Like this is our game of the year, and like we tweet them, we're like, "Hey, just so you know, dialogue box cast thinks you're the best." <laughs> We'll have a conversation about that. I don't know. I think if, so. I think it'll be yeah. good. Yeah, I don't want to like spend ages on it, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you guys very much for listening. This has been Gwen Frey and Chris Light, and you've been in the dialogue box.